and welcome to the Time of the Month podcast. So I'm Laura and um, I'm so happy to be here with you all today and joining me today is um, my co-host Linda Pollock. Hello Linda. How you doing Laura? It's lovely to be back. It's been a wee while. It has been a while, yes, and I do know people have been asking when we're being back, but people have been understanding because it's been such a busy time for me the past, I will say, eight weeks, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, moving, you know, so I've moved, I've been inducted, um, I've been ordained, it's been actually a real whirlwind, um, so that's it, it's... Um, it's been quite a time. So I'm now the minister at um, White Inch in Glasgow and it's uh, it's been exciting, but as well, it's been, oh, been a real upheaval moving everything. So that's me settled. I'm settled in now. And so back ready to um, come again to our Time of the Month podcast. So it's, uh, I'm looking oh, forward to this conversation today. And so what's been going on with you, Linda? So like I've had all this, you know, excitement and upheaval, but um, what's been going on with you? Well, not an awful lot, really. I've just been getting on with my work up here in the Northeast, enjoying it, learning more of the community. Because I think it takes about 18 months to, to feel you're part of the community and, and particularly in a church. And I've got three-week congregations and I've just been just nose the grindstone, really, just getting on with it and, waiting for God and keeping my eyes open and my ears open, trying to be alert and awake. Um, and that's hard work. Most, most folk we're walking about in a wee doze and a daze. But uh, while you've been doing these big, big life-changing events, I've been plodding along, having had life-changing events myself in, in days of yore, as they say in Northern Ireland. Um, <laughs> so I'm just getting off with it, you know. And, but you see, the thing is, there's no show without punch. So we couldn't have time in the month without dear Laura. And I'm so glad that you're at the point now where we can get together and talk again about these wonderful women in our scripture. Yes, and today um, we are going to be talking about Anna the prophetess. Um, and so this is, um, this is a woman that you have already introduced um, the Sanctuary First community to, Linda. Right, yeah, I did a wee podcast, uh, wrote a story for the stories of the unexpected. It was really good. I, I loved writing that wee story. Um, I, I love writing these first-person narrative things anyway because I get to engage my imagination. Uh, yeah, so Anna, Anna appears in Luke chapter 2. It's, she's only in three verses. Luke chapter 2, 36, 37, um, 38. So... Take a minute to read it, even while we're gassing on here. Get your, your text out and have a look at it. And Anna was, according to Luke, um, uh, of the tribe of Asher. And Asher was one of the ten lost tribes of Israel um, who went basically into oblivion, at least overt oblivion, if that's if you know what I mean when I say that. Um, mm -hmm. But Asher was the, the, the son of Jacob and the handmaid of Leah. Her, her name was Zilpah, so she was one of two, he was one of two boys, so he was one of the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And her father was named Phanuel, and that means face of God, apparently. And it's interesting that she was known as the daughter of Phanuel as opposed to the husband of so-and-so. Um, yes. 
that's not really interesting. Uh-huh. But there must have been a reason for that. And I was reading actually somewhere that um, the, the name Fanuel, Face of God, um, she, was, she was known as his daughter because when she encountered the Christ child, she gazed on the face of God. Well, oh. that we we tie up, but you know, um, I I try to avoid harmonization of, of of scripture, but I love these wee insights that people have, and maybe they impose it upon the text. I don't know, but it, look, it's just a wee frisson occurs in my my chest when I think of that. But but Anna was a widow, and the text says she was eighty four years old. Now, some scholars think. Was she 84 years old or was she a widow of 84 years? So let's mm-hmm. say she was married. The number they give is about 14 for marriage. Mm-hmm. And then seven years of marriage and then widowhood. So it's 14 plus 7 plus 84 equals 105. <gasps> and if you're into the numbers in the text, you know how the 12 tribes of Israel, the, the 12 apostles, all this. Yes. Number seven, significance of that, of three, of one. Some people say that the seven years times 84 um, equals, what's seven, 84? I can't do that now. Um, the seven years was perfection, and the uh-huh. 84 was the 12 times seven. Uh-huh. So seven, 12, 84. So the seven perfection and the 12 tribes equals 84. So you can go down that road of, of these intricacies uh-huh. and yes. little details and try to make something of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not tempted to go down that age, but I love that kind of speculation and, and playing with numbers. Mm-hmm. So now I'm getting way off the topic. That's something that'd be interesting to people, you know, because that's it. Because even in this wee bit of this wee small piece of text, there's it, there's such richness. You know, mm-hmm. this is the this is the wonderful thing, you know, it's not just like you know, a few throwaway lines. There's real richness yeah. in there. Yes, there's there's such depth. Well, another little um, thing that might tickle you is that Anna is also in the, in the name Hannah. And Hannah, of course, sang her great song. Yes. And Anna, she was, she's considered one of the seven prophetesses of Israel, Hannah. Uh-huh. And Anna, of course, is a, considered a prophetess. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's interesting that I haven't found any exterior or outside evidence to corroborate that Anna was a prophetess of Israel. She's not mentioned as one of the seven prophetesses. But that, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter to me because Luke thought she was a prophetess. And it would seem that she spent her years in the temple. Um, and so there's evidence to suggest that um, some of the Levites uh, lived in the temple grounds. Because remember, the temple was vast. And because Levites weren't given land the way mm-hmm. the other uh, tribes of Israel were, they were they were allowed to live in the temple and they were given their food and their uh-huh. little money as well. So they the some scholars believe that she lived in the temple courts. And the wee story I wrote for Sanctuary first, I, I added in that it was because her husband Ranel was the favourite cantor of the high priest you know uh-huh. i really enjoyed that i love that detail yes she uh-huh. was given tenancy because of that you know like uh-huh. but we don't know we don't know we just we can we can make assumptions um uh-huh. so i think i think that's everything the ambiguity of her age is not really a big deal um but the other thing is she regularly fasted and prayed yes so and that to me is it's a big deal she fasted and prayed um, 
in that in the temple. When you think of all the noise of the temple, the, all the ceremonies, all the the numbers of people who'd be there, the teaching, the preaching, the trumpets, the blaring of the horn, the sacrifice of the animals, you, that must have been chaos. Yeah, and he fasted and prayed. Mm-hmm. So that's that's Anna in a nutshell, and um, I know there's lots for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. What, what did you What did you feel when you were reading that? What did you surmise? Uh, well, see, it's well whenever I was like thinking about her, and I'm thinking, well, it's I, I actually think her age is important. See, the fact that we get this detail. You know, or you know that I think this is like, you know, this is important. Um, you know, to to know that you know, so this is somebody who's like fasting and praying and living in the temple, and of like this great age. You know, so you're thinking she's, you know, really devoted. You know, to yes. um to to God, and 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 her faith, um, and she's you know living it, um, and. Also, it's the fact that, you know, there's something here about valuing people of great age and experience. Because I imagine that actually there'll be lots of people. It wouldn't just be Jesus, you know, and Mary and Joseph that encountered Anna. I'm imagining actually that there was so many people Mm -hmm. encountered Anna in that temple and Mm -hmm. perhaps sought out her wisdom. You know, I know I'm like, mate, I'm given this you know character you know like a story here but yes. I think there's something that I think the fact that we're given this detail about her age and the fact that you know she is a woman that, that prays and fasts and mm. that, that, that there's something there that actually people would seek her out you know for for words yeah. of wisdom. I think too the fact that the, the age is significant because you think about the other characters here in this story Zachariah Elizabeth. Yes. Old and Simeon. Yes. Four people. Two men and two women. Not uh-huh. three men and one woman or four men, but two men and two women. And they're all um, integral to this story of the, the, the Christ child, the gift of God to humanity, to mm-hmm. all of creation, not just humankind. And there's something about uh, the congregations I serve are primarily older folks. Mm-hmm. And they're in their eighties and seventies and eighties, most of them. And if they say things like, "Oh, Captain, I'm, I'm tired. Give somebody else a chance." But there's nobody else coming up to give them a chance. And uh-huh. I just think, look at these seniors in this in the New Testament that we learn about. Who there's old Zechariah still doing his duty in the temple, and Elizabeth pregnant at that age. Yes. You know? <laughs> and, and then and and old Simeon just waiting so they can go back home to God after seeing the redemption of Israel and Anna, four mm-hmm. people who were willing to be available. I don't like the language of being used by God because that sits a bit awkwardly in me, but I do love the language of they accepted the invitation to be co-workers. Ah, uh, yes. And that thrills me. Yes. That thrills me because it's not just about being used as, as, as if they've got no say in the matter. It's the uh-huh. co-workers, the invitation to work with God. And there's uh-huh. something about the, the affirmative action that they've taken and saying, I am willing to be part of this. All right, Zachariah, you didn't believe immediately because like us all, you had a wee bit of doubt and you were silenced for that. And, and there's a good old Elizabeth who, who 
who waxed lyrical and praised God when she encountered her wee niece and, mm-hmm. and her baby jumped in her belly. And Simeon, who waited and waited and waited, and Anna, who waited and waited and waited. And it's the nine-month pregnancy, the silence for the nine months, the, the waiting of the two, Simeon and Anna, there's something about how we wait and about mm-hmm. time. There's yes. something about God needing to birth new life in us and us having to accept the changes that maybe like a, in a body, woman's body, the change that I'm not never been pregnant, you have, but the changes in your body, it must be very strange feeling that new life growing inside you. It must have been as frustrating as get out for Zachariah not to have anything to say or to have, to be able to have something to say but not be able to say yes. it. For, for, for Simeon and Anna to be waiting, waiting, waiting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's the action and the activity and the intentional activity of waiting. People think waiting's passive. Tell that to Mary. Tell that to, Zach, to Elizabeth. Uh-huh. But waiting is not passive. Waiting, well, it can be passive. And then you're, you may as well shave your head and wear a hug me jacket if you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. But if you're waiting with intent for God to birth something new in you, mm-hmm. that's a whole different story. Yeah. So, well, so, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and, and you're thinking, oh, what have I got to give? What had Anna got to give? She was known as the prophetess. What did Elizabeth have to give? What did Zechariah and Simeon have to give? All these lovely older people. And, and I think we make such a fuss um, of letting people know that Mary was just a girl. And God chose this girl to carry the, the Christ. But there's these four older people who surrounded her and Joseph, who, uh-huh. who upheld her, who in their waiting and service upheld. And there's mm-hmm. something about the role of our seniors in church. That yes. we have, you know, maybe the Guild is a good example of, of, of seniors in our church working well and serving well. You know? uh-huh. Do you know, so Linda, I'm, I'm actually, because I'm actually praying for seniors to come to my church because um, my new church is, um, it's, there's, there's lots of, um, it, it is a church that's like a young church, um, but people work shifts, people have got young families, they don't actually have an awful lot of spare time or time like, to, to volunteer and get involved in things. And so it's like our older people that have the time and that are yeah. able to kind of give back, you know, give back. And yeah. and so I personally am praying for seniors, yes. um, willing seniors to come um, to my church um, and get involved, Aww. you know, because I think they're just such a gift. And like knowing as well, like the church that I grew up in, you know, the, the way that the older people loved us and shared yes. their gifting with us, you yes. know, it was such a oh, it was such a joy and so formative. You know, it was wonderful. Yeah. And like, there's a, a whenever I was on placement um a couple of years ago, and there was this wonderful older lady um in one of the care homes who was like a real evangelist. You know, she'd been faithful like all her life to the church, and even though she was in the care home she made sure that they had the church service on whenever it was the live, you know, it was live streamed. She would get the others out to watch it. Oh, brilliant. (laughs) And then to talk about it afterwards. (laughs) Uh Good for her. And there's the wisdom and the experience, and that same wisdom is exclusive to seniors. 
but it's the experience to have and yes. and their understanding of time is different isn't it uh-huh. and i think yes. any church that's just exclusively young or exclusively old doesn't reflect the body of christ you're not just an arm or just a head we need both. We need this intergeneration. And I think, get on to my hobby horse again, the jumpers, I better get them on. The thing is, intergenerational stuff, I've been waxing on about it for 25 years. If we are not doing intergenerational ministry, we are go- we're creating division. We're creating mm-hmm. um, old and young as opposed to the togetherness, the, the mutual appreciation and the mutual value and the mutual learning. Um, and I, I just wish that... I mean, we have a, a wonderful congregation in, in the, the bigger three villages where I'm at. And it's an independent congregation. And they meet in the school and they've, and they've taken all the young people and all the young families. And it breaks my heart because there's no integration. Mm-hmm. There's no, no respect and learning of the generations. Yeah. And I just, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But I just I wanted to voice my sadness that yes. There's, there's no, no sense of how can we support one another um, in, in the generations, and because if it's all one or all t'other, it's the same in worship. If it's all contemporary and no tradition, and all tradition no contemporary, how is that reflecting anything of growth and maturity? Yes, you know? exactly. It, it saddens me, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hi. So yes, and I think I think this is well about. I think patience is, um, I think we all can learn, you know, to, to just, to be able to sit with things yeah, and allow them to happen in God's time. This is something that I've actually been more aware of in the past, I would say the past year. Um, I've like becoming really interested in rhythms, you know, and like, uh-huh. you know, following like spiritual kind of rhythms. Yes. And also interested in like seasons of the year, yeah. And what is really, like, I I've, I'm mindful that I used, to, you know, I would try and push on with things, and I mean this in like all aspects of life, not just like um, spiritual life, you know. But you're like, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do it. Um, and now though, I, I'm realizing, do you know what? See if something doesn't happen, then that's mm. okay. I don't get upset about it. Because I'm thinking that wasn't the right time. And then yeah. whenever something does happen, even if it's like just a meeting, for instance, right? You know, and sometimes things crop up and a meeting can't happen. Um, and you're like, there's a reason for that. You know, because yeah. maybe I, you, you realise that whenever you go maybe and there's the meeting or a visit, you know, a couple of weeks later, that was the time it was meant to happen yeah. because something's happened in between that has caused a change and somebody's yeah. thinking or like there's some you know there's an experience that needs to yes. be explored so I'm now thinking well I'm trying to go with this like flow of like all in God's time all in God's time yeah yeah I think that's really healthy and wise isn't it I know until I got really bad arthritis I would run everywhere 100 miles an hour and I would fall and trip and walk into water and, and I was known in my family as the clutch. So my mummy said I'd trip over the pattern in the carpet. And she was right. And it was because I wasn't taking the time. I mean, you can take your time. Well, it, it, it can be very hard and frustrating. It's amazing if you stop and just look and see. It's amazing what is revealed to you. 
and even just to stop and look at a plant and look at the, the, the veins on a leaf and look at the petals and the flower and just look at your hand. Oh, that's the hand that God has given me for what? And you look at the veins on your hand and the wrinkles in your face. Just stop and look and wait. It's just, it blows my mind. And this, this daily waiting that we're invited to do, the intentional mm-hmm. daily waiting, people run from it. And, and I run from it too, but I know if I don't do it, my life's not right. I know it's mm-hmm. not even about my life's not right. It's just, I don't feel, I just don't feel well. I don't feel connected to yeah. the, the Almighty. And mm-hmm. so our beloved listeners, if you can stop for five minutes every day and just hold a wee cross or, or hold a wee stone or just look at a candle for five minutes, put your, your alarm on if you have to, but just stop for five minutes. And like Anna, imagine if you'd have stopped for really four years. Dear God. I know. <laughs> stop, stop and wait and see. And I think... I think a lot of us run about like headless chickens, especially in the kingdom, thinking oh, it all depends on us. No, it doesn't. Aye. The mustard seed's going to grow prolifically. Is that a word? It's going to grow crazily. It's going to take over everything. So we need to stop and not worry. Stop mm-hmm. and not be afraid. Stop and, and allow ourselves to, to unclench our fists and just just relax and allow yes. God. Let God be God, for goodness sake, you know. Aye. Do you ever wonder... Aye. Do you ever wonder how long Simeon lived after he saw Jesus? Oh, I did. I wondered that. Yes. Aye. Aye. We say, could you wonder, it's like, did, did was that him happy? And was he happy then to go to the Lord? Or did it did it kind of give him a, I don't know, revitalise him in some way? Yeah, and maybe, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe him and Anna got together to hold a mission or something. <laughs> Aye. That's actually yeah. the... And that's it. Tell everybody about what they'd what they'd yeah. encountered. Yes, yeah. uh, I. And the next story, Linda. I <laughs> know, uh, maybe. Oh, but Simeon's a boy. Oh, well, we're not respectful. Um, I was looking uh, at the. I I can't remember hardly any of my Greek, but I was looking up this the word, and I can't even remember what the word was that um is used to to say that she's a prophetess, and the word in the Greek is recognition or intuition. And mm-hmm. it points to the fact that her her prophecy, her prophecy was about seeing and recognizing Jesus. Because Simeon didn't stand up and say, here's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the one who's going to save us. Here's Jesus. He's the, the promised Messiah. She knew because she was a prophetess. And uh-huh. I think if I remember my Hebrew, which I don't really, but I think the Hebrew word for prophet, the root of it, to bubble up, like a stream bubbling up. And uh-huh. so she recognized him and it just bubbled out of her. You know, when she praised, she did she thank, yeah, she thanked God, didn't she? Like yes. Simeon, uh-huh. She thanked God because she recognized the spirit and her recognized the spirit in him. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that. I just love that idea that God's spirit in me recognizes God's spirit in you. And, and she saw who he was. And and also I was thinking about this. Do you know what really it bothered me for a couple of weeks? Why did it say all in Jerusalem, the redemption of Jerusalem, as opposed to the redemption of Israel? Because I'd never heard and you don't read about the redemption of Jerusalem, you read about the redemption of Israel. Yes. So I was thinking about this and I realized Jerusalem, it's the heart of worship, it's the cultic center, it's where mm-hmm. everybody went from all over the world 
to offer sacrifices in the temple. Mm-hmm. And it's just a word that's synonymous with all that was about how they worshipped God, how uh-huh. they understood God. It's where the high priests live. It's where the teaching happened. It's where the, the worship, the proclamation, it's where all that happened in the glorious temple. And this was Anna saying, Israel, not just Jerusalem, it's Israel. Uh-huh. Jerusalem is changing. We no longer have to go and make these sacrifices. We no longer have to be bound and crippled by the law mm-hmm. and all the intricacies that our priests and, and scribes have, have, and have drawn out from that and added to it. So it's about the transformation. And, and in art, there's a lovely painting. Um, I think it's Giotti has a lovely painting of this occurrence with Simeon and Mary and Joseph and Jesus and Anna. And Anna, in one hand, has a scroll of the Old Testament, and the other hand, she's pointing to Jesus. And, and I love that idea. Yes. Here, here we have the, the foundations. Here Aye. we are we're going to be grafted in to, to Israel. Mm-hmm. He's going to do it because of him. And I, I love how she's portrayed in the art. Beautiful. Oh. Oh, that's just wonderful. Oh. And so uh, moving on, so if we move on now um to um today, today, because yeah. as as our regular listeners know that um we like to um you know talk about modern um the issues you know affecting contemporary issues you know to do with them um, women as well not just the women of the bible um and so thinking about you know what, what's been cropping up in your mind about anything um recently linda i know that um me myself i've been really um concerned about um and i'm sure like all our listeners are as well about these wee children that have been killed at the hands of, um, well, parents or, you know, parents' partners. And and, and it's women that are are actually inflicting this cruelty upon the wee children. It's heartbreaking. And we we ordinarily would associate that kind of behaviour with men, Mm -hmm. rightly or wrongly. And it just... I am lost for words. And the only thing I can think of, I used to work with kids who were labelled young offenders. Mm-hmm. And I would read their, their background when they came to, to live in our, our community. Um, I, I, I would be heartbroken. I wouldn't read anything about them until after I'd met them. And then mm-hmm. I would read their background. And when I think of what was done to them, and then many of them went on to do wicked things as well. And I just think, what what... What happened to these women? Yes. What happened to Sarah Brockwell to make her think it was appropriate to punch a, a woman who's a boxer, who's a bouncer, a woman who's physically stronger than the average woman, I would think. Mm-hmm. I think it was appropriate to thump and punch and beat that little baby star. I, I, maybe she didn't think. Maybe, maybe she's been so badly beaten herself and her heart and mind and soul that mm-hmm. she stop herself there, there's no easy answer and and what a there's a big part of me that says oh 
I hope she gets done in in the jail. I hope they hurt her the way she hurt Star. But then there's the other part of me that says grace because I've done things in my life that are not good. The consequences of which are nowhere near what she's done. But I have to believe that God loves her as much as God loves me and you. Mm-hmm. And either either everybody belongs in God's kingdom or, or nobody belongs. And I'm grateful that I don't have to make the judgment that I'm called to love and that God will deal with the judgment and the consequences of her behavior. And she mm-hmm. will live with those consequences, as will her, as will Star's mommy, and mm-hmm. as will Arthur and Angel's mommy. And all the other children we haven't heard about or will never hear about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, I know, like you, Linda, I was actually, I was actually really, I had to stop myself because um, the stepmom of the wee, wee Arthur, and I had read about how um, in, in prison, um, others, you know, the other prisoners were actually lacing her food with salt and and I thought, and I was actually, I had to stop myself because I was actually happy at that. And I thought, oh, she's going to get, she's going to get what she deserves. And um, and then I thought, God forgive you. That's terrible, Laura. You know, because you think for somebody to do that and inflict that cruelty, that has quite likely been inflicted upon her as a small child. Um, or somebody has, you know, somebody has, you know, I'm sure um, broken her in some way um because i don't believe that people are inherently evil i think experience in life has made them that way and i and but it's very very difficult to be able to um have understanding you know it really is and it's um but i've i've been trying to keep the the perpetrators in my prayers as well as yes, the, the yeah. victims yeah mm-hmm. i think that God's love is either so great that God can embrace and love them, or it's not. And if, if it's the latter, then we're in trouble. And mm-hmm. I think I think in our culture, we think that prison's easy. Um, I, I certainly, it's not easy, nowhere near easy. Um, but I don't think that, that for, for many people who are in prison, and many, many women actually shouldn't be in prison. It, it, it just damages everybody else in their family, their children, their, their family mm-hmm. circle. And I think that many people go to prison and time doing time's not easy. But I think there has to be some kind of um, deterrent whereby people know that going to jail is not just about being locked up, but you know, there's a part of me that thinks that they have to do something as well that says, well, there's a punishment that goes along with this and then rehabilitation. Because if people aren't and this is going to sound barbaric, I think, and I don't mean to sound barbaric, so forgive me if I do, but I think if you're not breaking up rocks for for a couple of months of your time before they begin to try and rehabilitate you, there's something wrong. I think I don't think you can go straight to rehabilitation, uh, depending no. on the crime. Um, because uh-huh. I think people need to be brought up short. And for some, it's just about being locked up. That's uh-huh. enough to do it, but I don't think for most people. Certainly, but that's just my experience in, in the, 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 the system of the prison. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. No, not really a big deterrent. Mm-hmm. And I think we actually have to, as well, um, place more value on um, our social services and our healthcare professionals 
and that actually there's real investment in there. So is that because people are being constantly failed, children yes. and you know vulnerable people are being constantly yes. failed because there's not enough. Uh, funding not enough resources not enough people and also I think you need I think you need a certain type of people in these jobs and um and I and this is where I actually think that you need older people getting into the jobs people that have got life experience and that are I wouldn't say jaded but have that have hearts of compassion but experience of like no no I know how life is here and that have yeah. the courage to and not back down and see things through. Um, and yes. so to me, this again, like thinking back to Anna, you know, there's value here in having older people in these, in these positions where there's yes. authority and wisdom and, yes. and courage. Yes, yeah. And I think too that when you look at our society, we pay footballers and pop stars a fortune and bankers mm -hmm. a fortune. But we don't, I mean, social workers get a reasonable wage, but we need to cut their case loads by a minimum of a third so yes. they can do it properly. We don't mm -hmm. value, we don't value our nursery teachers, we don't value our people who are with children all day, every day. And certainly financially, we don't value them. And I no. think that there's got to be some wake-up call in our society. I'm tired mm -hmm. of listening to government ministers saying, oh, it's going to be an investigation. Well, so what? There's been an investigation. Start uh -huh. pumping the money in and creating positions for people who are not working um, 30, 30 kids in their caseload, 30 families. One family's hard enough to work with up close. Um, I, had a, I had two or three, uh, and when I was a social worker, I had two, in residential care, I had two or three kids at one time. And just two or three kids at one time with their families was hard enough. You know, I don't know how people survive when when they're in field social work. It's just a nightmare. You know? mm -hmm. Oh, I think we're 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 at a hard time of the year. Yeah. And I think that it's important that we we don't lose sight of I mean, look at those wee children in Tasmania went to school and were blown up in the air in a bouncy castle. Oh, I know. You know, um, but we, we hold on to the hope that our God, our good God, was with these wee children when they were being tortured and beaten. Um, mm -hmm. And God cannot, there's some things God cannot do, otherwise God breaks his own rules um, and they're for our protection and, and we, we lose the, the free will. But mm -hmm. we have to hold on to the fact that God was with each child when they were at the, the door of heaven. And when they were being beaten or tortured, and when they, their time was come to go back home to where they started. And I just hope and pray that parents too and grandparents who've been bereaved and, and whose hearts are broken, I pray that they'll let God heal them and bind up their wounds. Doesn't mean they'll forget their children or their grandchildren or think less of them. It just means that they accept that their mission was complete here on earth. And it only took them 18 months or four years or whatever. Yeah, their mission was fulfilled, and they've gone back home, back home to be with with Jesus, the friend of children, the one who welcomed them. You know, very difficult, but maybe Anna's having a blather with them, Anna yes. and Simeon, as well yes. as Jesus. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh well, that's that's a good.
place to finish, I think, today. So it's been it's been a joy to to chat with you, Linda, as always. Yeah, and, uh, yes, and so I look forward to our next one when we're going to explore and um, we're going to keep on the theme of these prophetesses and we're going to look at the first the first half of the seven prophetesses of Israel. Isn't that right, Linda? Yes, we're going to look at uh, Sarah, Miriam and Deborah next month. So you may want to get out your Bibles and look them up and uh-huh. check out something about them. And is it maybe I haven't I haven't talked this over with you, Laura, forgive me. Um, so you can you can knock me down if you wish. Um, <laughs> maybe somebody who's listening would like to come on and offer their insight to one of these women so they could contact you at the yes. first. Mm-hmm. Um, we would love to welcome you and we can talk over someone that is close to your heart and then you can come on and talk about that individual and share your insight and your wisdom that'd be lovely and uh-huh. you don't have to be a girl but you know so if there's a boy out there who wants to join us we'll welcome you yes we will <laughs> uh-huh. well thank you Linda and thank you to everybody for listening in today um, it's been wonderful and we look forward to um, chatting with you all again next month. So, happy Christmas, everybody. Yes, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> I know for some of you, when you listen to it, it might be after Christmas, but we, um, we're recording this just before Christmas. So, Merry Christmas and have a great time um, and we will see you, well, we'll all speak to you again soon. So, bye for now. See ya.